0: Hi FM one hundred and one point nine megahertz of life.
1: Well good afternoon, good afternoon. I'm hoping I'm on air. Welcome to it. This is the DL Link Show where we connect you through insights information, and illumination. And it certainly is a scorcher in uh, Joburg today, so I hope that you're taking care, drinking lots of water, and very importantly, and not only when it's a scorcher, we should be doing it every single day, even in winter. I hope you are wearing sunscreen. Um, That's what we're really going to be focusing on today. We're going to be looking at uh, skin cancers. We're going to be looking at the importance of going for regular checkups. Because I don't know about you, but, you know, the last year with COVID, it's kind of turned everything on its head. And what do I mean? I mean, just listening to the COVID report, you can't help but sit and just be filled with Admiration and gratitude for, um, you know, to the the, the researchers, the, the the sciences, the medical laboratory and fraternities, those who are um, tirelessly tirelessly putting getting these vaccines together, looking for cures, looking for ways to prevent um, infection, etc., etc., etc. So we really so humbly um, a, a appreciate all the work that they're doing. Um, and and as I said, you know, the last year kind of turning everything on its head, meaning, you know, I go for regular checkups. I don't know about you, you know, you go to the dentist, you go, um, I go to the dermatologist, you have your your yearly checkups. And as you get older, so you can just add to the list. And I have to confess, they sort of fallen by the wayside. Their whole focus has been on COVID. Um, and I haven't really gone for my regular checkups. And I wonder if that's true for you. Well, I'm hoping today's show is going to be a little bit of a wake-up call because we can never take our mind or our gaze or our attention off what's really important and that is early detection and making sure that we are healthy and vital and uh, checking in with our bodies all the time so we have a really interesting show lined up for you today, we're going to be looking as I said at skin cancer and we're going to be looking at two stories one story where there was a slightly later detection and one story where there was an earlier detection and it's not that anyone is to blame but it is the importance as I said of going regularly um, to specialists to have checkups to make sure um, that everything is on track. So I'm going to introduce Shane um, and I hope I co- uh, pronounce this correctly, Weideman or Vitamin. Um, Shane, welcome. Thank you for joining us.
0: Thank you, Nikki. Your second pronunciation is correct. It's Vitamin.
1: Vitamin. Fantastic. Yeah. And um and then I have Linda Gomez Otto. Linda, welcome and also thank you for joining us. Thank you so much, Nikki so welcome welcome both of you we're going to start off with Shane and I'm just thinking we possibly have to go for uh, an ad break in just a, a few minutes but I think before that Shane maybe you can just tell us um, nodular melanoma cancer this is what you were diagnosed with but let's go back to it was in 2019 when you said you noticed uh, a mole on your back perhaps you can just fill us in
0: Sure. Thanks, Nikki. Um, I've always been a person. I am covered in moles, so I have a lot of them. I've never thought anything ill. I've had some removed when they were uncomfortable or in awkward positions. And this one was on my back, Um, so I never noticed it. I always had people telling me it was getting a little bit bigger. And I started feeling it. um, It began becoming quite itchy, and it became uncomfortable when I was lying down on a hard, flat surface. Again, I thought nothing of it. Um, I actually went to a dermatologist um, in the August of 2019 just to have it checked out. Um, And there was no urgency um, on the dermatologist' part to say, have it removed, it needs to come out. And of course, you know, being a stubborn adult, um, (laughs) I didn't necessarily want it cut out. I was in quite a good gym routine. I didn't want to stop exercising. So there was no rush for me to have it removed in my mind. Um, In October that year, I fortunately developed quite a bad sinus infection, and I went to my GP, and while I was there, he put me on antibiotics. I said, listen, I'm not going to be able to exercise, so while I'm here, can you just take this ugly mole out on my back for me, which he did. Um, He took it out, standard procedure, he uh, sent it away for testing, and I remember getting a call on the 19th of October, uh, from his receptionist to ask to come in and see him that morning. Hmm. I thought, Not, not yeah. the
1: call you want, not the call no. you want, right?
0: Not at all, especially because, you know, again, being a stubborn adult, I was like, oh, my week is really busy. Can I not, you know, put it off later? And she said to me, no, you've got to come in today. And that's when I knew something wasn't right. Mm. Um you know, again, I'd assumed that it was a uh, the, one of the lesser, the less dangerous forms of skin cancer. Let's face it, all cancer is dangerous, but the less I thought it was a less severe form. And when um, I went in and saw him, and he examined the wound, and he said it was healing really well. I mean, he said to me, "Unfortunately, it has come back as nodular melanoma," he says, "and it is a big one."
1: Okay, so let's um, let's take a break um, and let's let's look at what this uh, melanoma is about, and really the the kind of journey you then had to go on. um, Because I know that there was a, a problem with getting the kind of medication that you needed for this particular cancer, and I think that there are many people who are listening who know that story too well. So a quick break, and we'll be right back.
0: Hashtag You Don't Have to Be Jewish.
1: Welcome back to the DL Link Show where we connect you to insights, information and illumination. Nikki Seberini with you here um, and I started off the show talking about the importance of our regular checkups and making sure everything is on track. Um, I have Shane Viderman and Linda Gomez-Otto um, on the show today sharing their skin cancer stories um, and Shane you and know, I started off as I said saying early detection is important but you did visit a dermatologist and this dermatologist said that it looks okay it was only when you went to your GP and had it removed and came back with a diagnosis of nodular melanoma cancer that it was a problem. That that I mean, here I am promoting going to the specialist, and, and
0: he didn't think that your mole looked problematic. And, Nikki, I do want to say I don't blame anyone. It is incredibly easy in any, any medical profession and in any profession to miss something. So, you know, I I think the importance here, as you were saying, is the regular checkups. Mm. Um, Something I do take full responsibility for is not seeing the same doctor regularly. I now have a dermatologist who is basically like a sister to me. I see her that often. Um, I see her every three months and she has a regular history of what my moles look like. So she is able to, without even using the MoleMax machine, at a glance, look at it and say that mole has changed since last time.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay, so I think that's a very important point, Shane, um, especially when it comes to something like skin and moles, because the dermatologist has to measure it, um, the existing Mm -hmm. mole, with how it looked at at the the previous um, uh, consultation or examination. So
0: I think it is a very important point. Thank you for that. No problem. So, um, yeah, I mean, given I had my uh, GP was fantastic in that he had excised the entire melanoma, I had thought that was all that there was to it, you know, because that's usually in my mind. And I think a lot of people's minds, that's the way it works. You cut it out and then it's done. And he told me that I would have to go for a wider re-excision on my back. So what that meant was they would have to cut a margin of two centimeters around the original excision point wow. to ensure that they had removed the entire mole. Hmm. Um, when he phoned the surgeon in the consulting rooms, um, I must admit I've had the most fantastic team of people around me in, in managing this. So I'm very fortunate. Um, and I saw the surgeon, and funnily enough, he took my appendix out when I was 19, so he's known me for years. Yeah. And he said to me when I sat down, he said, Shane, this is very serious. He says, this is incredibly serious, um, which kind of hit home then. Because mm-hmm. I had also been quite willfully ignorant about not Googling, not seeing, you know, I think the worst thing one can do is go and Google what's going to happen to you. Um, and he mentioned I would have to have a sentinel lymph node biopsy. So I would, um, again, I didn't know what would happen. I mean, I went into um, hospital about a week and a half later. I had a radioactive dye injected into my back and I was um, in an X-ray machine for just over an hour and a half to see where the dye drained to, because the melanoma, what it does, it drains into your lymphatic system, given the size that I had. So the lymph node where it drains to the most, they remove. If they detect any form of cancer in that particular lymph node, that means that it obviously has spread and they require further um, investigation. I am absolutely watched over by amazing guardian angels because given the size of my melanoma, um, Mm -hmm. the oncologist that I saw was surprised that it had not spread not only to the lymph system, but to the brain, liver, or lungs. Incredible. Um, And mine hadn't spread at all. I was so, so, so fortunate. Um, So I had my lymph node removed. Again... I want to encourage people to really take ownership of their health as well and ask the questions because that's one thing I've started doing. Um, One question I didn't ask, though, was how sore is this going to be afterwards? And I thought a lymph node removal, you know, it's a little lymph node. It's nothing major. Um, Mm -hmm. I had a section taken out of my back. It's nothing major. I mean, I was off work for two weeks. I had to sleep on my back. Unable to move my left arm because that's where they removed the lymph node for over a week. Um, it's a year later. Every now and again, I still have residual pain. So, sure. yeah, it's quite a quite a journey. And I had it easy. I had it easy. That's the point I want to make. Is you know the, this is a journey of someone who is. I was lucky. I caught it relatively early in terms that it hadn't spread. I'm not as fortunate as Linda. I'm Linda and I are actually mates. Um, okay. so, Linda was far more proactive than what I was. Um, but I was lucky and I still am incredibly lucky.
1: Shane, I want to go back to a point you made about don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, and I think that sometimes we are, sometimes we're intimidated being in an off, a doctor's rooms. We overwhelmed by diagnosis, these names we can't get our heads around, never mind our mouths around. And it's so incredibly overwhelming. And uh, so I can imagine that first uh, in, in initial consultation with an oncologist who, or whichever doctor you're seeing, you know, is a blur anyway. But when you talk about don't be afraid to ask questions, are you saying prepare questions before? Are you saying challenge people? Are you? Does that include getting second opinions? Maybe you can just focus on it because I do think it's an important point.
0: So I'll address the second opinions first. And Nikki, you're 100% right. I think a second, a third, and sometimes even a fourth opinion is critical. It is, for me, the multiple perspectives from medical professionals is um, paramount to you managing your health. Um, and you, for me, I so immediately after I saw my oncologist, she recommended a dermatologist. I went to see that dermatologist. I didn't feel comfortable with that dermatologist, and I went to go see two others until I found one I was comfortable with.
1: And you didn't feel bad about it because not I'm it just all. thinking, oh, I feel bad to say, no, I'm not comfortable. Let me go to another one. or No, this is your health. You have to take ownership,
0: yes. your body. Yep, this is my body, and I'm going to only see and work with people that I feel comfortable and that I can trust. Um, it is really important to prepare questions beforehand as well. One thing that I have learned is that given the the huge range of tests, scans, um, excisions that I've had in the past year is to ask, why am I doing this? What point is this going to, you know, what are you going to do if something comes back and it shows positive? What's going to happen then? So to really be quite firm, because I think a lot of the times it's not about challenging, but it's your body. You have to own your health. And I was incredibly fortunate in that I have a really close friend who's also a medical doctor and I would play back to her and say to her, you know, this is what they're saying. Should I ask something else? You know, and she was so um, kind and clear in directing me and saying, rather ask this question than that question. So, again, really what I cannot emphasize is when I was having blood tests. So, for example, I had to go for blood tests once. The, uh, nearly every block on the, <laughs> on the form was ticked. And I looked at that and I said to the doctor, I said, why am I having these tests? Why are there so many? And they said, well, we want to see X, Y, and Z. I said, and if I don't have those, what is going to be the, you know, what's the the problem if I don't have those? What's the the pro if I have them? And they explained that to me, and I said, actually, well, then I'm not going to have those tests done because, A, it's going to deplete my medical aid, which I need to keep, and, B, there's it's not going to serve any purpose. I so know we're not going to do those tests, hmm. mm. which is – potentially not the right thing to do but for me it works
1: yeah well you know your circumstances everyone's circumstance is is different we're all coming you know from completely different um, situations but what I like about that Shane and what you're saying is it it, you know it's so many people have described, cancer warriors have described this feeling of being out of control. You know, you diagnose, and all of a sudden this feeling of not being in control and waiting and seeing what happens. And this kind of gives the sense that you're steering the ship. You know, when you are informed and when you ask the right questions and you're making choices, and I'm not talking about trying to take over the job of the, these incredible medical professionals, but just steering the ship as in you are making little decisions for yourself, which I – I don't know, it resonates for me. I think it sounds, it sounds pretty powerful. Um, Shane, I'm going to put you on hold, not put you on hold, um, because you're going to stay there, because we're going to be talking about the medical aids and the problem that you had with your particular treatment in a moment. But first, I want to bring Linda. I want to introduce Linda once again, Linda Gomez-Otto. Linda, welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, Amazing that you guys are friends. Linda, you've got a very different story. Yours goes back to 2015. Um,
2: am, Am I right, Linda? Yes, that's right. And so and tell us your story. Yeah. So I, um, I had a tiny, tiny little black freckle that appeared on my upper left shoulder. Noticed it. Didn't think anything of it. In my mind, skin cancer was moles. So I'd always been worried about moles. This wasn't a mole. It was a freckle.
1: Yeah. And I
2: remember going to my sister and she saw it and she said, Lenny, what is that? And I was like, oh, sis, I don't know. She goes, you better go get it checked out. And it was because of her that I thought, let me go and see a dermatologist. Went to the dermatologist. The dermatologist looked at it. She said, doesn't look like anything malicious to me, but take it out. Anyway, like Shane, I got the dreaded phone call where the receptionist wanted to see me, and my heart sank because I knew that the only reason they would want to see me is if something something didn't uh, if something came back um, that was concerning. Very luckily, it was very early stage, stage zero um, in-situ melanoma. And what that meant is that I, like Shay, needed to go for a re-excision where they had to clear the area. Um, what was quite interesting is that I have a, a five-centimeter scar for a one-millimeter freckle that was removed mm-hmm. because of, how they had to clear the area, and you know that was it. I I didn't have to go for any chemo or any radiation or any anything else because it hadn't penetrated a certain level of the skin. So I was very lucky. What was interesting for me though is um, I then went to go see another dermatologist who does mole mapping, and I see him religiously. And I went to him a few a, a while later, and I said to him, "Listen, there's another mark on my right shoulder." over my um, MMR VAC scar, one of the little dots. And, you know, it just hadn't been healing. It had been kind of like niggly, and not healing, just a little tiny thing that just would never heal. And what was fascinating, to Shane's point about second and third opinions, is I'd been asking my GP, and I'd actually asked the other dermatologist that identified the melanoma, well, that um, initially diagnosed the melanoma. I'd been asking them about this for I don't know how long, and everyone said, oh, it's nothing. Turns out it actually was a basal cell carcinoma because the second dermatologist was again. Thank goodness it was something that was easily treatable. So I mean, I was just so blessed that but 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 yeah, you know, that 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 my story is very different to Shane's. Mm. But it's been fascinating. Since I've told my story, how many of my friends and family have said, oh, you know, Linda, I've got this thing on my back. What do you think? And I'm like, just go. You shouldn't even be asking me. Go and get it checked out. Yeah. So um, the early detection is, is really important. And I think also to Shane's point, asking questions, the one um, thing that was quite difficult for me is once the initial diagnosis and I needed to go for a re-excision, it was really difficult to know who I had to go to. So I was burning oncology departments and all sorts and they were like they they couldn't help me and eventually I realized I only had to go to a normal plastic surgeon for the clearance I didn't have to go to an oncologist but what's what's interesting is there's a lot that you don't know and sometimes you also don't get the answers from your medical aides and that so it helps to have people in the know like friends who can also just give you guidance and support and support so yeah I'm five years free um and clear I'm very Wow, Linda. And just,
1: just, um, did you do, I mean, you know, we've heard that looking at uh, Google is not always a good idea. Shane Shane didn't want to do it. But did you do it? I mean, you're talking about not getting information. So you relied on your friends. How how did you eventually get the information you were looking for?
2: Well, I mean, the information I was looking for particularly, I'd been asking my medical aid for guidance. You know, the different plans you have to go to specific Ah, providers and so i was struggling to find a provider in network that could do the second surgery and um i unfortunately and i i i don't have an issue with my medical aid but unfortunately they they weren't really able to give me that level of of you know detail that i needed so um you know so it can be quite hard actually when you've confronted with this challenge you don't always get the answers that you expect mm-hmm. from your medical aid that. Uh,
1: Thank you for that, Linda. And I think that's very true. As I said, it's, uh, you're overwhelming, you know, you're dealing with a diagnosis and then a treatment plan and then the dealing with the medical aid and payment. You had a pretty unfortunate um, situation, Cheyenne in that the, 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 the treatment that would help you is not available in South Africa or your medical aid doesn't cover it. Perhaps you can just expand on that.
0: Sure, thanks Nikki. So I do want to say that um, my medical aid has been really great in, you know, paying from my oncology benefit. They have been really supportive and um, really uh, good in paying the accounts that I have. Otherwise I would definitely be far worse off than I am today. Interestingly enough, the drug that the oncologist wanted to use on me, so I do have a, cancer, a history of cancer in the family. Um, my father passed from neuroendocrine cancer. Um, his brother has cancer. On my mom's side, two of her sisters passed from cancer. So the cancer is rife in our family. Mm-hmm. Given that history, the oncologist wants to use a particular drug, which is available in South Africa, but not registered for my stage of cancer. So it's not what, what registered. What stage? What stage is it registered for? Did you not say you're at stage four? Yeah, no. So I'm at stage two A. Two A. Yeah. So it. it if I was at stage four, then I would absolutely be able to um you you know um, go for that form of treatment mm-hmm. but um you know I could opt for it um, privately I could pay for it privately. But it's exorbitant. It's over 100,000 rand every three to four weeks. Oh my and there's goodness. no one – yeah, no one can do that. And the oncologist wanted to use it given the, the family history and to make sure – you know, one of the words that I hear constantly, um, that I heard constantly at least when I had my melanoma removed, was from what we can see, we have removed everything. Okay. So there's always that chance that there's a microscopic particle that has remained behind – and could spread. I, I believe that I am free. I don't think there is anything that's going to come back and, you know, turn nasty, um, you know, God willing. But that was the challenge that I had. The oncologist wanted to um, treat me. She tried to get me onto a clinical trial as well um to to see if I would qualify for a medical you know, to go on a clinical trial and I was declined for the clinical trial because my cancer had not spread past had not spread to the lymph nodes and other organs. Um, so unfortunately I'm in a situation where the oncologist would like to but can't. So it's a it's a bit of an interesting situation to be in. Mm,
1: I've I've heard of another situation or well, if someone else um, also having to go, well, the recommendation going on a particular treatment but not available at that stage. And I think that this person then went off to India. And there are some people who are in a position to be able to do that because then they can have access to this medication, which is very interesting, uh, Shane. So we're gonna we're gonna take a break, and after the break, um, I'd like to just explore a little bit more. Then once you know that you know this is what the oncologist recommends, and it's not an option. Um, what you do with that, what treatment you then go with and what, what are you happy with and what, you know, what sits well with you. So let's take a break and and we'll continue with that after the break.
0: Hi, FM, your station of choice since 2008.
1: Welcome back to the DL Link show. Um, today we're really highlighting, we're talking about skin cancer. Um, what we're focusing on is going for regular checkups. The importance of early detection, um, the importance of getting second, third, fourth opinions, being comfortable um, with the doctor that you're using, um, and preparing questions and asking questions, in in other words, taking ownership of your um, disease, of your treatment, of the way forward. And, um, I have, uh, on the show today, Shane Viderman and Linda Gomez Otto, who are sharing their story. Um, and Shane, before we, um, carry on, I just want to remind our audience, you know, that you were diagnosed with this melanoma and it was at quite a, 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 well, at stage two, you said you had to have, um an operation but the medication that your oncologist recommended the treatment i beg your pardon um would not be covered by your medical aid at that stage two but rather at stage four and i I said just before the break how do you deal with something like that when you know that this is your health this is your life um this is a medication a treatment she recommends and you can't go on it
0: how how, what do you what, what way forward you know, it's such a it's such a good question. I think one of the the biggest things that people tend to forget when they go through this type of situation is one's mental well being. I think you know, for me, I've been very fortunate. I've been chatting to a psychologist now for just over a year. And that has helped me tremendously to process all the information and to process what has actually happened to my body and to me Mm. and to help me find myself in the context of my disease. So I think one is, you know, to really, if you can, find someone to talk to that can help you process that information. You know, the, the only option that I have now is constant monitoring. So I do go – I see my um, oncologist every three months. I see my dermatologist every three months. I go for regular scans. Um, In March last year, they picked up a growth on my thyroid, which was thankfully benign. But, again, the scans picked that up, and the treatment – you know, the oncologist said to me, wherever now there is a lump or a bump that shouldn't be there, it has to come out. So then I have – you know, I had my thyroid removed. Um, My dermatologist. um, I had a mole grow back in the original melanoma site, um, which had to come out. It showed um, melanoma-like qualities, although it was not yet a melanoma. So I had to have another wide re-excision. So it's a constant. um, As Linda said, the regular checkups are critical for me, and managing anything that comes up after that. So if you and you can only one thing that I've really learned is to take this a day at a time. It's really hard for me because I live life in anticipation. But mm-hmm. it is take it a day at a time. What do I know today? And a great piece of advice, um, actually, my, my manager at work gave me. She said to me one day, she said, and today you're healthy. She says, tomorrow you don't know, but today you are healthy. And that I keep with me every single day, that today I'm healthy.
1: Mm. So it's a, it's a wonderful mindset uh, to have A wonderful, wonderful outlook Did you change your um, exercise? Did you change your eating? Anything like that change? You no, know,
0: I wasn't over necessary I wasn't unhealthy I mean, every now and again I do have some junk food um, I am incredibly cautious in the sun now So whereas before, I think I could have been a little bit um, reckless. You know, I played a lot of tennis um, in my when I was a youngster. I was a a game ranger, so I spent a lot of time in the sun. And now I put sunscreen on every opportunity I go into the sun, the Factor 50 is on. I have special um, sunscreen that I use for my face and my ears. Um, So I am incredibly cautious. Um, My eating habits... You know, this, I also, I, I had something called gene mapping um, done, which the oncologist recommended, which looked at whether the cancer was hereditary or whether it was a random event and if I was going to be susceptible to other forms of cancer. And it came back that it was a random event. So there was nothing really that I could have done differently in my life to mm-hmm. prevent it. Mm-hmm. So I, I, you know, I do, I am cognizant of what I put into my body. But, um, yeah, I haven't changed it dramatically because there wasn't that much to change.
1: Yeah, yeah, amazing, uh, amazing mindset. Linda, over to you. Um, so you, I mean, you've said five years, cancer-free. I mean, uh, quite a story that really in a space of a couple of months you were diagnosed with two different cancers um, or skin cancers. And, um and as you said, relatively unscathed, as in you had to have the surgery and you had to have it removed, but you didn't have to go for any kind of um, uh, 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 oncology, any kind of chemotherapy. But the question for you, once after the diagnosis, um, and you go regularly for checkups, how did it change your life, if at all?
2: I think what was quite interesting is just how I um, how I changed in the eye of an insurance an insurance company so (laughs) interesting I was looking at um, alternative insurances and suddenly I was like persona non grata they were like "Mm, sorry for you cancer diagnosis we don't want to we don't want you around and I was like fascinating sure (laughs) like everyone wants your business and all of a sudden they're like totally not into you which is really you've been marked you've been marked by the sea now we don't want you not going to insure you it was so interesting, um, because it's, I, even today, I don't really, you know, like when people talk about cancer survivors, even though I didn't go through the trauma that so many people go through, like, you know, there's still, there's still that sort of thing. And it's, it's hard getting your head around that. What was interesting is my dermatologist, um, actually told me that a lot of the sun damage that we've done to our bodies, is done when we were children, so um, we definitely have to continue, you know, being careful in the sun. And I am not always careful, Shane. I'm bad, um, so I'm <laughs> a lot better than what I am in the sun. Um, but you know, a lot of the damage is done when we're younger, so um, I think it just speaks to parents then, you know, being quite vigilant with their children's skin and um, making sure that they. But um yeah, you know, luckily I didn't really have to change much else. I mean, there's no history of skin cancer in my family. There's other cancers, you know, in, in the, the aunts and uncles. So yeah, um I, I think it was a I think it was a random event. Um, you know, and it might also have been caused by medication. There's a school of thought that um that maybe it was caused by my thyroid medication that I wasn't absorbing properly. I mean, and that's just, I have no idea whether that is true or not, but it was quite, it was quite interesting to think, well, why me and how did I get it?
1: Mm, yeah. I, I, and, and also, as you, as you mentioned about the looking after your skin, as you say, if, if most of the damage is done when we're younger. So, it, what's also interesting is a lot of people talk about D3 deficiency and we get the D3 from the sun, right? And now we're encouraged to go out into the sun to get the D3, which is very important for our bodies. Everyone's talking about vitamin D when looking at COVID and boosting immune systems and whatnot. And yet when we go out and we um, have to put on um, a sunscreen, it prevents the, the body from absorbing the D3. So when you do go out, um Linda, I mean, you've said you're not very good. Are you, are you at least disciplined about the time of day you go out? Because dermatologists recommend going earlier or much later to get the D3. Are you aware of that at all or doesn't it concern you?
2: Look, um, I'm very aware of how hectic the sun can be at certain times of the day. I mean, it was interesting. We were at Emerentia the other day and we were there from nine to 10 in the morning. And we didn't expect to go. We ended up there randomly. And I got terribly burnt on my shoulders at that time in the morning, being there for less than an hour. Um, So the sun is quite brutal at the moment. So I'm not sure, you know, what sort of times of day are best. But what I do recommend is that if you are going to be going out, Factor 50. And I've definitely found that the Factor 50 helps. Um, but that that example that I gave you is that, you know, I went out not thinking I would have to put on suntan lotion, whereas Shane will put on suntan lotion every day. Mm. <laughs> so.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, we're having a conversation. This is not uh, uh, backed by any medical science. And, and really, you should be speaking to your GP or your dermatologist to get the right time to be in the sun. Um, when I mentioned the D3 and we're talking about, uh, you know, how harmful the sun rays can be um, always. And please, you know, this is just a discussion we're having amongst ourselves, but please do speak to, um, the right medical practitioner to get the correct information to make sure that you are doing the right thing. And um, for people who, who have also in the same boat who are cancer, uh, warriors, um, they're looking to be reinsured. Was it a, a period of time you had to wait, Linda? What, what recommendation do you
2: have, um, um, for our listeners? I didn't lose insurance and I've stayed with my insurer. So, um, thank goodness that wasn't the case, but they do say that you need, um, five years. So if you want to change, if you've got insurance right now and you get diagnosed, you're going to need to stay with your insurance. Um, but they say that after five years, I believe, and, um, I, you know, that was what I remember that you can then start applying, but I think it'll always be, I think it'll always, um, uh, count Um, as part of your risk assessment, Mm -hmm. your underwriting. So um, depending on if you're underwritten as an individual, I do think it will influence the sort of premium that you would need to pay. Um, But, yeah, it was five years. But I haven't tried to get new insurance from another insurer. I've stayed with my insurer.
1: Okay, fantastic. We're going to take a break. Um, After the break, we'll be um, just um, ending off the show. So last break, and we'll come back to you.
0: you.
1: Thank you for staying with us. This is the DL Link Show where we connect you through insights, information, and illumination. I'm Nikki Seberini. Um, and for those of you who've tuned in and don't know what the DL Link does, well, it's an organization that was founded in 2010 by Michelle Goodman and Jackie Artsula. And they provide a nurturing, safe space where patients who are faced with cancer as well as their families can turn to for support. And, um, you know, serious illness impacts the entire family. So the the DL link is a social link, an emotional link, a psychological link, and a medical support. And I bring that up because both Shane and Linda have mentioned, um, you know, the experiences they had with their medical aid, which you would have um, if you are diagnosed with a cancer. And, of course, this... Overwhelming uh, idea of what the costs are and how to pay for them, and and you know one of the services that the dealing does provide is to help you make your way through the decisions, going contacting the medical aids, getting the payments. You know that besides the challah on a Friday, besides the supporting the family, besides the hot meals when you come back from chemotherapy, someone to lift family members, to entertain your kids while you can't, um, you know inviting you to wonderful days of pampering and helping with wigs and all sorts of things. So even though we say that the doors are closed, the windows are very much open at the DL link and um, hopefully when things calm down, when we over this this second wave, um, the DL link will be able to open doors once again and have those wonderful days, those pampering days, those days of getting together, being informed, having the experts come and talk to you. Um, But um, by no means are they not available they're there 24/7, and of course, we encourage you to call them. They obviously are always fundraising. They're always looking for volunteers, so you can always reach the DL link on 011-485-3269. So I have Shane Viderman and Linda Gomez Otto on the line and on the show today. They've been sharing their story. Uh, quite different stories about the experiences of skin cancer. And Shane, just before we say goodbye, you've left us with really very valuable information from, from your perspective. Anything else you want to leave our listeners with before we say goodbye? Very quickly, just to wrap up.
0: Take notice of your body. Really pay attention to, like Linda said, know when a mark appears that shouldn't be there. Look when your mold changes. Take photographs of them. So that you're able to see, should you see a minute change? That would be my, my best piece of advice that I could give.
1: Oh, fantastic, Shane. Thank you. And Linda, over to you. Anything else you, that we haven't covered that you think is important from your journey, from what you've heard from Shane's journey, other friends that you think is important for our listeners?
2: I think for me, just the sharing of the stories. And I want to thank Shane for, um, for coming onto the show because When I read his story, I was, you know, it was quite a, it was quite something for me. We don't realize the power of us sharing and telling our stories. And it's through the sharing of stories that we encourage and um, encourage and give people the courage to go and do the things that they perhaps have been putting off. So Mm -hmm. that's the only thing that I'd like to leave is that if you are a survivor, if you've got a similar story, Share it with your communities. They need to know because it helps nudge them that perhaps they're, they're they, you know, they're scared of doing something. It just helps to encourage them to actually do what they need to do.
1: Mm, so true, Linda. I really love that. And also, of course, that you're not alone. Um, you know, Shane, you spoke about this wonderful support and so did you, Linda, with your sister and everyone else. So, And that's what the deal link is. It is this link, it's a support and uh, we're there for you, as I said, all the time. I want to thank you, Shane and Linda, for joining us. It's been really lovely thank having you. you both on the show and very, very valuable for our listeners. We do appreciate it. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you for tuning in every week and uh, just a reminder that if you've missed part of the show or if you couldn't get to the entire show, we do podcast the shows. You've just got to go from tomorrow to the uh, High FM website. You'll see there's a little button. Click on podcast. Look for a Thursday. Look for live links um, and all the shows are there. Um, I hope that you've benefited as much as I have. I hope you've taken notes um, and most of all, yes, connected and not feeling alone, but very much loved and supported. So for me, Nikki Seberini, until next week, do take care. Goodbye. <laughs>